Cool. Hey, uh, welcome to Red River Podcast. Uh, this would be episode 127. Um, you know, as you keep counting down numbers on podcasts, like it fucking matters, you know, but do it anyway. It's just like, I, I, I guess maybe we feel accomplished once we, you know, break past 100. You should, man. That's right? a big number. You know? I, uh, you know, it started off like where we would do it like pretty regularly, but just like anything um when you have other people involved in like other interests because this is like a passion project you know you 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 get to talk to people like you that make movies and shit like that and uh directors and musicians so it's like that stuff's cool and then when something else takes over for a couple of weeks then we do that you know so especially music which you're a big you know music guy as well but anyway listen uh today we have anthony natoli on the show um you know you do a lot of things which is probably how you got the nickname uh obi-wan natoli i I would imagine um but today we're going to talk about uh some movies and some music uh probably eventually but uh you just directed a movie and it's called sunday 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 so i mean just i don't know let's kick it off there yeah man um well, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Um, oh, yeah. It's uh, it's been a, a wild ride. Five years of shooting and editing and reshooting and all that stuff. This is uh, I keep telling people, but this is my threat level midnight. You know, um, if you know the reference. But uh, you know, it's it's a. I never had aspirations to make a movie. Really, you know, it wasn't like maybe in the back of my mind, I always thought it would be cool to do something like this but it never really felt attainable you know and then uh when the iphone 5 came out that's when like my mind shifted i had already kind of come up with the script for it and uh i didn't know what to do with it and then when the iphone really started hitting its stride with the with the slow motion i was like i think we could do it with this this could be a really cool thing and uh what what that's where we sit what, today what is your relationship with movies though because like a lot of us you know like i'm i'm pretty much a cinephile i mean obviously this is yeah. a big part of what we talk about on the podcast but what is your relationship with movies that that you would even feel like that you would want to make a movie well i mean it's kind of funny i i don't know if I ever had any even like aspirations to maybe even score a film or anything like that when I was younger. I just it really felt very far away from oh, possibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I was a kid, um, I had a neighbor down the street from me. This is kind of like my Tarantino working at a movie store kind of story, but not quite. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't work. I didn't work at a movie store, a uh, video store, or anything like that. But my neighbor, Sonny. Um, he had this place called Gibson Flicks. It was right around the corner from my house. And I would go there every day during the summer and rent a movie. And um, he told me, he said, listen, Anthony, if you bring me a dollar every day, you could take out as many movies as you want all day long. So I said, okay. And by the end of like one summer, I had watched, I think every, it didn't matter what it was, like every freaking movie in that store. And, um, one of the things that was like awesome about that experience was just like, it's like music, you know, I, as a musician, I can't avoid 
diving very deeply into listening at CBS, you know, with whatever's going on above yeah. me. And it's distracting, you know, but there's something beautiful and amazing about um, all music, whether I like it or not, in a way, you know, recorded music. There's tons of songs that I love the recording of it, but I don't really care for the song or whatever. And I think the same went with movies where it was like, I don't really like this movie, but that, was, you know, it, it's amazing. They made it. And uh, I like this actor or. I recognize this guy from another film, you know, and uh, I think that was my education in kind of like getting like uh, an understanding of what a good film looked like and what a C-list movie would look like. And I like everything in between, you know, but from all the Adam Sandler kind of films to like Chodorowsky, you know, it's, there's a big spectrum out there. And, and I think if you really dive in, to a multitude of genres, you'll you'll start becoming that cinephile that you were talking about, where it's you're looking for something and and not too much from anything, you know. And I think that's sort of uh, my, my viewpoint at, at watching films these days. It's just like, what can I get out of this, you know? Yeah. And and uh, so like when you're going to like this video store, like off the top of your head, like what are some like give me like two or three movies that really kind of like blew you away. <laughs> uh blew me away i mean i gotta be honest you know uh it, steven spielberg to this day to me is still uh, you know the greatest of all time uh i just i didn't know who steven spielberg was until i had heard his name mentioned like you know a multitude of times and went oh that's the guy that did jaws and indiana jones and et and had a you know, a lot to do with Back to the Future and the Goonies. And I'm like, we're making a pretty long list of my favorite movies from one guy right yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but that that's not to say, like, I, you know, I don't enjoy, you know, Darren Aronofsky. I love his films me, so much. Me you too, know? me too. Uh, so, but, but back then, you know, things that hit me pretty hard. Actually, I was really like, a, uh, I loved watching the making of that was my favorite thing, like above all watching the movies, like Indiana Jones and the last crusade was one of those movies. I was like, I love watching the production of it, you know, and I would watch that movie like a thousand times. Um, but I rent, I mean, like I liked a lot of different things. Um, uh, I remember renting father of the bride one time. And my <laughs> yes. parents were like, <laughs> why why are you watching this i'm like i don't know it's steve martin he's great yeah. and martin short and i uh you know i don't know if you know the movie clifford with martin yeah, short but <laughs> i must have watched that and rented that movie like a thousand times like, i just thought that was i love martin short man like i was a big comedy guy when i was younger i loved all the sandler movies and stuff too so um and yeah it's, yeah, I mean, it's funny yesterday we um we were talking about remakes and I'm trying to remember, God, I don't remember why it came up, but uh, <laughs> somebody suggested, he's like, you know what they should remake the three amigos. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like not movie, happening today. That, movie, that movie's perfect. Like, why would you yeah. like, remake something that, you know, was good or had a good idea, but it just wasn't presented well, or maybe production value. Like, go like, just let Mel Brooks make another movie because yeah. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Like, what we already have that. Like, let's yeah move forward. I mean, 
that was like a golden era too of like comedy to me with film. I think uh, I think Spaceballs is like the one. It's probably I like it more than Star Wars. You know, I grew up watching <laughs> that movie, and like I've I thought it was part of the Star Wars canon before I even like was into Star Wars. So it was kind of confusing at first. But I mean, Rick Moranis was so funny in that, and all he's those a, he's types a of best. movies like. Like he's yeah, like just make a sequel. Like so, I don't know. Rick Moranis like went in and out. Like you know, like obviously everyone knows his story, but like when you look at his filmography, it's almost pretty perfect. Like you look yeah. at everything he did from like Parenthood to like Ghostbusters, and you're just like, yo, this dude like went in and out, and just like his his batting average on the on these movies is fucking amazing. Um, and so I think that comes from like choosing the right things. And, and honestly, Rick Moranis is like one of the most artistic like actors in, in my opinion, in the sense that he's like, I have to resonate with me or I'm not doing it. And I think you kind of see that even though his films are like campy and, and like quirky, like he chose to be a part of the right things, you know, and he chose what not to be a part of. And I think that is what makes the difference between like a legendary person and then like an actor for hire kind of thing. That's just like, I'll, you know, I think Nicholas Cage is one of those guys. He just takes everything and that's one way of doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, well, for me, I, I can't jump in on something I don't believe in. I have he, to see it. I have to feel it. And uh, I think that's an important thing. And guys like him are definitely an inspiration to me to be like, don't do it for the paycheck. Don't do it for the glory. Do it for you. You think that's going to be something that you can be a part of and, and make something greater than yourself and lasting. And, and that's kind of always, that's been my mantra for a long time. Just like be involved in the right stuff. And you, know? you, I mean, so, you know, most people, you know, when they make their first movie, it's always like a horror movie or, or something just completely yeah. different. I, I think you wrote something pretty unique uh, in Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So like all these things that, you know, like these movies and uh, that, that crept into your brain as a kid. Um, how do you, you know, then move forward, you know, because you wrote and directed this and uh, it's, you know, I'll let you explain what it is because I, I don't want to give away like spoilers too much. But, um, you yeah. know, it's, it's I mean, very... I don't know who we're spoiling for. We'll see well, what I, happens. I have to, you, <laughs> you know, know, I, yeah. I don't know. If, if I someone, appreciate it. Yeah. If someone listens to this, I don't know. But it's basically yeah. like family. You know, it's it's pretty like heavy on family, uh, you know, the tragedy um, and just kind of uh, going for it. Um, you yeah. know, it's it's it, it, it's kind of like a unique, you know, script, I think. So, like, how do you how'd you come uh, ha, like, why do you want to tell this story, basically? So, well, just to give you a little background, like I grew up um, a fat kid in elementary school, middle school, all the way, or almost all the way through high school. Then I started losing a little weight, but part of that made me the underdog, you know, in the sense, like people wrote me off. I would sit at home on Friday nights and try to learn every note of master of puppets, guitar solo while my friends are out drinking and stuff. Like I was very into my craft of being a good artist and musician and, and I think a lot of people thought I wouldn't amount to much because I was very, I was not like antisocial, but I kind of had a 
uh, an attitude like a little more punk rock than a lot of the kids in my high school that I went to school with that, uh, you know, I was going to be a musician and I was going to be an artist and I couldn't care what you were doing, you know? So, um, I kind of wanted to write that into the story a little bit where these two brothers who inherit this little 67 Dodge Dart and go drag racing with that. They're, they have the same attitude in a way where it's like, I don't care what anybody says and whatever, whoever doubts me and whatever, I'm going to take a shot. And, and I think that's like the Rocky thing that I always loved was like, and resonated with was like, Oh, here's this guy from the streets, you know, not from the streets, from the Long Island suburbs, but I felt, uh, you know, a kinship, you know, he's this Italian guy, you know, that, that a lot of people doubt him and, and go, okay, let's see what we can make, you know, let's see what we can go out and, and make happen. And let's do it with our arms tied behind our back too. You know, let's shoot it on an iPhone and uh, do it super low budget with, friends and family and the script it's kind of an interesting story but um i was sleeping in a strange bed one night um that it was very hot i'll never forget it and so i always like lucid dream when i'm like not comfortable you know sleeping and uh, i had this dream i walked into a movie theater and there was one person sitting in the middle of the theater and it was me and i walked up to myself and the other version of me said, sit down, we're going to watch this movie. And uh, you made it. So when you wake up, write everything down. And wow, that's pretty, I, that's I think, pretty crazy. Yeah. And I watched the whole movie. And um, after it was over, I was like, wow, that was really awesome. <laughs> and I kind of started having this moment in my head that I was like, oh, I just made this movie up in my sleep. That's pretty cool. And again, the other version of me said, write this down when you wake up. So as soon as I woke up, I grabbed the pen and paper. I wrote everything I could remember down. And sometimes when you do that and you wake up and you like look back, you're like, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> this is a terrible idea, you know? But it was one of those ones where I was like, this is a good idea. Like I should make this movie because the type of racing that these kids do is something that anybody can do. It's uh, It goes off like a handicap system. So even you could have you could have the slowest car um, around and still race the fastest car because it gives you a handicap and this is whole rules and regulations to it, which we teach you in the film. Yeah. But um, I had never seen a film like that before that was on that topic. You know, I've seen a lot of, you know, Fast and the Furious kind of movies and I hate those kind of movies. You know, like they just you're either doing a burnout or you're you're lifting the wheels off the ground and and it can't be both. You know, but. I would watch these films and be like, I want to make a more authentic racing movie that, because I drag raced, I grew up racing. I had started in go-karts and I started, um, you know, I started drag racing when I was like 14 in a 73 Plymouth Duster. And uh, I, I lived this life. You know, I went, I went pretty far with drag racing up until a point where my band was either, I was going to sign the Capitol Records with my band or I was going to continue trying to make it in drag racing. And I chose music. So I guess this movie is like a culmination of like a lot of my life experience, although it's not autobiographical in any way. Um, it just, it, I wanted to tell my truth, you know, something that I, I believe like I know a lot about this subject 
and I think I could pull this off. And I think I could pull it off without having a movie star in the film. And I think I could pull it off using my aunt, who was like a, a dispatcher and saying like, hey, listen, I need you to say these lines and uh, let's see how this fits. And then she's doing that. And then on the other end of it, I have John Nolan being a cop, you know, and uh, somehow it just started working. It started piecing together. And and uh, it was a long process because I, I sat on the script for probably like five years until the iPhone hit. And that was when I was like, I'm going to develop the script. And right, I'm so, going to see what happens. But like so so like you, you think of the script, you know, like after the dream, um, like, do you have any like know how on how to write a script or, or is it like a screenplay? No, no right. So everything no, you, everything I, you do is just like, you know, like like what most of us do is just like, I guess we'll figure it out as we go. And and from there, like when when did you like, I guess when the iPhone comes out, you're just like, I think I could do this. And you start like rounding everyone up. I kind of right. Yeah, I um, I actually said to myself, like, OK, this is a big project. I was smart enough to know, like. I wasn't ready for it yet, but I, cause I, I honestly never even picked up a camera before I, before I got that iPhone, I had like a terrible cell phone with a terrible camera on it. And, uh, I, I didn't know what to do. So I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot four music videos this year before I even start to work on this movie yeah. to see if I can make anything that looks resembling like a film or, or, a visual or artistic expression because I was kind of green to the form. But after the first video, I was like, I think I got it, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to stay true to my word. So I made one song for every season of the year, shot a video for it. And by the end of the last one, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I know what to do, um, which I didn't, but I felt that way, you know, and that's so, a good feeling. Where are these videos at? Like, can we watch these videos? Yeah, they're on my YouTube channel. You can go yeah. check them out. Um, it's funny to watch them now because it's like, you know, you always look back and go, ooh, you know, I, sh I wish I had known this then or that. Or the but at the same time, I look at it and I go, well, this is, this is me growing. You know, this is me showing people, like, I didn't come out of this, you know, being perfect or anything. And I don't think anybody really does. But I think it shows that my progression. And I like that. I like having, like, uh, you know, when I look at bands, especially when you hear their early demos compared to their like hit record, there's usually a huge growth spurt that happens sometimes, between there. And, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's it's funny, like how the flip side, you know, where you know they come out swinging hard and then from there they turn into something different. But yeah, like and what I love about this and like technology, and it's funny how some people shit on technology. I'm like, yo, I'm like, it's great. I'm like, I don't know, oh, yeah. you, you could talk to your friend who lives in like Ireland or uh, you could fucking just be like, hey, uh, I'm going to make a music video with my friends and we're going to put it up on YouTube, um, you know, because MTV doesn't exist. Like there's so many cool things you could do now. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to record a song during uh, one of our sets and I'm going to turn it into a video and I'm going to add some filters uh, I'm going to make a movie on an iPhone, you know, and, and you fucking do it because like if you want to do something bad enough, you'll figure out how to do it. And technology now allows that you, you know, uh, it's just I, I love it. I don't know how anyone could not. There's no it. excuse today. Yeah, there's no excuse. Like if you want to do something, it's on you because um, 
I watched uh, Steven Spielberg's first film and talk about a guy coming out and like crushing it right off the bat. Was that Duel? Duel. Yeah. Which actually is funny because he's driving a a Dodge Dart in the whole movie. And that's the main, you know, car car, we used in our film, which is kind of cool. But I mean, that was a made for TV film and it rocked the world. Like people were like, this dude is a legend already because he did this on such a low budget. What happens if we give him millions, you know, and then he makes Jaws and all these things. And I kind of looked at that and I was like, I kind of want that to be hopefully my story. If I ever get past this first round is like, I want to swing for the fence here. I want my first film to be, you know, as absolutely great as I can make it. And I, I did everything I could to make the best film possible. And, um, and I think, at the end of the day, we watched it like last week again at like a, a little test screening. And I, I was like, it was the first time I stood back from it and was like, holy, holy crap. I can't believe we did this. This is nuts. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, um, and, and I got very emotional. I started like tearing up a little bit, like on like the most ridiculous part of the film, because I was so happy that I'm looking at like my best friends up on the screen. I'm like, we are forever now. Like if, if even like if this movie does nothing and, and whatever, it's like, I have this little snippet of my life where I'm like, I rounded up my friends, anybody that wanted to be a part of this. And now it exists in this little thing. And That's... and I think the story actually came out much better than I anticipated. So, you know, we have a lot of technical errors. We had a, you again when you watch the film you see my progression you know there's things that we shot last where at that point i had shot a lot of cool stuff i've done i did a, a lot of much higher quality things and so then that's in the film but it's also butted up right against like day 1 where i was unsure of how to do sound and and all these things and somehow it works you know it's just good enough to, to marry together and become this whole thing. And when you watch it in one fail swoop, you're like, oh, okay, it works. But it, it took what, a lot of um, the, persuasion the, on my end. What was the guidance though? Like, you know, like the first day of shooting, like I know some people shoot out of order and stuff like that. They're like, okay, yeah. like w- what are you looking at on the sheet that, that, that you have? Like, what was like, cause you said, this is all new. So, like, what was the undertaking like? Like, what was the itinerary, basically, the bullet points? Yeah. Well, um, a lot a lot like writing a song, I like to know where I'm going. Um, I like to have, uh, I think of, I think of art as like a bridge. And usually for me, I, I see the end result first. And like, yeah. I knew the end of the movie um, before I even like, because even though I had that dream, that's not what you're seeing on screen. Like, it's it's relative to it, but a lot of things changed. Actors didn't show up or um, one guy, the guy that plays our uncle, uh, Sal, um, he had to go shoot another movie. So I had to like write him out, which was not something I had anticipated. He's good. But, I like that so, guy. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 I loved sitting in the theater and hearing all the dads crying and sniffling when, you know, he has this big moment. And um, that to me is like the the sign of greatness, like that you could push these 
masculine dudes to tears. <laughs> I, I love that, you know. And because I think like uh, part for me, the film had to be like a wheel of emotion. You know, I didn't want it to be a comedy or a horror film or or just a drama or an action movie. I wanted it all. I wanted a little taste of everything so that it felt like life. It, it did. Life it, has- it, it worked, man, because it did have all those things. Because when you were talking about comedy, I was like, oh, the movie does have some like comedic elements. But then you get like the phone call like we we're talking about with that dude, Sal. Um, and then you kind of see like, you know, basically, you know, like I, I, I don't want to say like the the whole like heart of the movie, but you kind of do see like, you know, the emotional peak of the film. I yeah, think. for sure. And, yeah. And, and I, that was one thing I felt like confident that I was doing right was putting the right people in the right position. And, and being in a band, you understand this, like if you don't have the right guitar player or the right <laughs> piano player or drummer and people aren't playing their role properly, it's it's off putting. But we had this guy, I'm friends with Joe Pontillo. He's a comedian um, that I'm friends with. And when I was casting the film, I was like, I need him to be this relief. I need this like icebreaker guy. And he made me laugh so hard, like filming it. I was like, it's going to work. And then when we were editing it, it, you know, it worked. And when we were in the theater, it worked. And I think part of making a film um that that is important is casting the right people in the right role and and also not overshooting like i don't think i'm that you know uh i'm not a very good actor i i had a lot of trouble with it at first because i'm directing it and trying to be in it and i didn't even really want to be in it at first i i wanted to cast somebody else and just be the director but um i had bumped into ed burns uh the filmmaker yeah uh and spoke to him uh, briefly. And the biggest piece of advice he gave me was cast yourself, you know, make sure you're in there because you'll be able to modulate when things go wrong because it'll go wrong. And it was true. So, and it was also a great learning experience for me to, to empathize with the actors and say like, okay, I, I know how you feel. I know how this feels to be on the other side of this. How do I make you feel comfortable? But I was kind of used to that because I've been producing music since I was young and worked with a lot of artists and a lot of younger people. And I felt like making them feel comfortable in the skin they have to be in is very key and something that I didn't feel was too foreign to me. And I think that's something where maybe some directors do fall short short on is, is they lack that like musicality or something where, where they're, they're, they're not, they're not in tune with all the elements that are happening. Cause I think the great directors, even Spielberg is talking to John Williams and like, this is the tempo. This is the key. This is the instruments I want to be hearing that. And then that informs what the actors are going to do because that informs your direction towards them. And so having the right people in the right spot made that super easy and playing music my whole life. Um, if you have the wrong drummer in the wrong band, I mean, it feels yeah. weird you know yeah. and that's that's the key element is having having those roles filled properly ed burns is a good yoda for sure uh i mean yeah I, man that guy's got some 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 uh really good stuff under his belt for sure she's the one i think was him too if i remember correctly yeah brothers mcmullen he was in the he was in saving private run he grew up on my corner of my street so oh, he wow. went to the same high school as me and um he's older than me obviously but um it was very inspiring 
being a young person and going to that same video store and renting the Brothers McMullen, which just won Sundance and is blowing up and making all this money and putting it on at my house and then seeing my block and my like all these locations that I grew up, you know, living in on my t- on my TV and going, this is amazing. But yeah. it, it also opened this door to like the possibility like, oh, you could do it, too without even really knowing it because when the iPhone came out and I, I like looked at what it could do, I said, I, what if Ed Burns had a, you know, what if Steven Spielberg had this when he was making his first film, he probably could have made it for $0, you know? And that was kind of what happened for me. I didn't have a big budget. I didn't have any budget. I saved some scrap, you know, change and, and all, whatever I could put together to buy pizza for everybody. And, and cover people's gas and tolls to get to the drag strip and to the locations and the locations I bought food for everybody. Like that was our budget and we made it happen. And it would have been great to have fifty hundred thousand dollars But I think again, having your, you know, having nothing and making something with it shows people what you could do if you had a little bit. And I think that's what happened for him, you know? It's the best, um, you know, something as simple, like all related to me, um, you know, having like the the last album we put out, I had an idea for the cover, which was like a creep show thing. And it's like, oh, this is the idea. And the then head? Next, yeah. Next thing you know, like Eric's like in, in a hot tub where my friends plays, my friends taking a, a picture, my other friend Mariko's putting it. And when it's done, I was like on a smaller scale, like it's just great to be surrounded with friends that are like that all do something and they're all into the idea of like, let's make something like I, maybe I'll I say this too. Yeah. To name drop real quick, but James Morano was like, um, oh, yeah. angel that ascended from the skies to me because when I first started doing the film, I was going to grab a few friends that were good with the camera and they did. And they came out and they helped me because I knew I was going to be in it. And I knew I would need somebody on the other side of the camera to help me but it was getting very tough very quick. And to the point where I was almost getting disheartened because I was like, I'm not getting what I think I could get. And um, all of a sudden I, I needed a drone operator for something. And uh, James just fell out of the sky and said like, I'll come, I'll drive four hours to Pennsylvania to help you do this. I was like, all right, I don't know this guy, but whatever. And he came out and he was like the third camera. We had like, one main film camera then we had like a second phone that was like a little bit older but just to capture you know background or whatever and then james had his camera and then i remember going through the dailies and being like i everything james shot i could use and it was this moment i was like i need i need him to be a part of this and he wanted to be a part of it and then five years later now we're shooting all these amazing films and things like that for other people and um that's the best part about jumping into projects like this you just wind up um with a whole new set of 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 information and friends and um experiences and nothing can you can't take that away from somebody you know even if you make the worst film of all time you're still going to learn something you're still going to meet people that push you to do better and that was definitely one of those people that came in. I was like, this is going to make my life yeah. a lot easier and better. 
we so. we uh we worked with James on a video and he is definitely an ace in the hole, man. That that dude is like oh my god. He came out with his segue and uh you know, we were just like, Oh, this dude ain't playing. He's games. the funniest dude. And yeah. a sweetheart and super talented, you know. Um yeah. can't say enough about it. I love James. Um yeah. so now that like the movie's done, like what's the, like the plan for it? Like uh like I don't even know. Like what like everything is such a learning. Do your curve. podcast. <laughs> aside from us having a conversation like like what like what are your options like i don't know like, i have work? no idea man yeah. i you know I, i'm like uh i think of that uh that joker thing where it's where he says even if i caught the car you know i'm like a rabbit dog i wouldn't know what to do with it you know i i've gotten there and now i'm like i don't know what to do so I'm just trying to navigate the best way I can. I'm going into like all my learnings from being in a band and saying like, all right, well, probably a good idea to make t-shirts. That's a good one. Um, let's make some stickers. Let's have some things to hand out to people just to be like, Hey, go check out what we did. And um, that's like some of like the basic stuff that I started doing, but now, we're entered into a bunch of film festivals and uh, the Toronto independent film festival just uh, came back and gave us an award for best, uh, best film on a mobile film. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Which was, I mean, that's our first response and I don't probably need any other ones. I'm like, wow, that's really very cool. Um, But we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm in Sundance now and we'll see what happens. And, um, uh, I, I I hope that I could figure out a way to get this thing distributed, I guess, in some way. I don't, I have no idea how to do any of that stuff. I wish there was like an easy way to like just upload it to Amazon. And I might wind up just doing like, oh, here's the YouTube link. And, um, you know, you could pay a dollar or something like that. So I have no idea. But uh, for right now, we're just... Just in the film festivals, we're going to screen, do some more screenings. We're doing a showing up at the drag strip that we shot at because all those guys brought out their cars. And where, where is that? So helpful. It's in um, Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. It's not far from Gettysburg. Okay. About a four hour ride. And that was, that was a big undertaking was to get half of my Long Island crew out to Pennsylvania. I think we shot out there like four times. And uh, it was it was not easy, but they made it easy for me, as easy as it could be. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at right now. Just trying to just trying to get it out there and, and share it with people that might dig it. It's it's unfortunate that it's like such a uh, like the world is filled with like Fast and the Furious that I think a lot of people kind of see this type of film and they go, I'm you know, not interested in that. But I've had like all the moms and and my aunts and stuff that came to see the film. They left and they were like, "What a great story!" You know, oh, I I I, I didn't think I was gonna like it, and I'm like, "Well, that's good because I didn't want it to just be a car movie that only dudes that you know are into gasoline are into." I wanted everybody to be able to watch this and go like, "Oh, that was cool!" Like, I I'll be honest with you. I like sports movies way more than sports. I don't even really watch sports. I if I'm I love playing sports as a kid. I was a I played baseball as a pitcher. Um, loved it, you know. But I watch Rocky, and I don't really care about boxing, but I love watching Rocky. Yeah. And I don't care about football, but I love Rudy, you know. And 
and there's all these films that I'm like, it or the wrestler. You know, I wasn't a huge wrestling fan growing up, but Aronofsky, Aronofsky, the way yeah. he directed that film, yeah. I was like, I want my film to feel like that. Where it doesn't matter if you're not into the sport, you're gonna love the story. And that was like the key thing for me was that there was this story that was happening with the backdrop of drag racing and. We actually, it's not a period piece, but we had no cars after 1974 in the film. And we did that on purpose to try to build this aesthetic of like, when was this film made? You know, that's, it that's kind of interesting. Looks like it, yeah. Cause it does say like a few years later. No, right. Like, like, after, yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. I mean, and then you do have like the 50s cars. So like, you, it can be like this. It really yeah, the, can be 74. Yeah. That was sort of the plan was cause like, I said to myself, I'm like, I don't want to write like December 10th, 1954, you know, like on the screen. I was like, just let the cars tell people and inform people maybe what time it is. And then a few years later is 1974. Let's not let's not say it's 1974. Let's just let people use their imagination because people are a lot smarter than you think. And when you don't see a Honda Civic in the background, you're like, I don't know. I guess I'm then, you know, you're not or, or a cell or a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was one of the, my favorite parts of the movie is like the whole movie goes and then the credits come up and then just for like five seconds, it just is shot on iPhone. Yeah. And man, every time we've shown it to people, I, the, it's like piercingly loud clapping because there's this moment, even that I had where it's like, that was shot on an iPhone. Damn. You know, that's crazy. And even myself, I'm impressed by it. And it's not just because I did it. I'm also impressed by what the technology is allowing to happen. That We're on this huge screen and I'm holding the phone in my pocket that we shot it on. It's, it's nuts. You, you know, you don't walk into a theater with your red camera in your pocket, you know, that you shot this multi-million dollar film on. You know, so there was this kind of strange feeling of like a, a major accomplishment just just through pushing something that it's afforded to everybody. Everybody's got a, a phone it's in their pocket. Like so you, you write a good story, go yeah. make it, you know, something from nothing is always like maybe that's like the punk rock roots in what we do. Um, yeah, it's always you always feel that it's like something from nothing. You know, I'm a DIY guy. Like, yeah, I've, I, I don't like handing things off to people very often unless i like trust them like completely and even then i'm like watching because i'm like i have an idea i have a vision it doesn't mean that i'm not going to listen to my peers and somebody tells me like oh this is whack or this is not working like i'm very i'm very conscious that i have to listen to people but i'm also very confident that at this point in my life like i trust my taste buds i know what i want i know what i like i don't like excess i don't like having you know too much of anything um i like minimalism and that's always because i think you know we talked about the, the period piece kind of thing like if you shove things down people's throats sometimes then they're looking for a reason to knock you down like oh i saw a satellite dish in the background it's like well i never told you that it was 1974 so yeah you know but if you don't give them all the information and you let their imaginations build some of the world i think that's more fun filmmaking like i like going to the movies for the fun of it i don't like going to the movies you know sometimes you want to learn you're watching a documentary or whatever but i go to the movies to have fun i want to enjoy it i want my imagination to run wild and 
I also wanted to afford that to my viewers by not shoving all this information down their throat and let them build some type of ether that's happening between oh, yeah. other characters and stuff, you know? When it comes to movies, too, like, um, sometimes some people, first of all, it's just so much easier to, like, knock everything now because everyone's like, oh, like let me run to this page to tell everyone how much I hated something. I'm just like, Oh, oh right. my God. It's like ridiculous. I'm thinking like, if you don't like something, like I would never want to ruin. I just don't want to ruin anything for anyone. You know, it, it had, Oh man, there's too many people that are haters out there. I mean, I have them. Everybody that is an artist has them. People either are jealous of what you're doing or, or they just want to rip you apart for no reason. I, I don't understand it sometimes. And I, and, it's it's not it's not appealing to me to be that way like the most important thing i think we could do for each other in this short period of time we are alive support one another help one another and be a part of a community of people that push each other to do better and i'm not interested in working with anybody that doesn't have those things in the forefront of their mind like i want people that are going to push me people that are going to inspire me and people that are going to um, also pick up the torch and, and I'll help them when I can, you know, because it's, you know, we want to reciprocate, obviously. But there's a lot of people like I just watched the, the new Obi-Wan show and the comments on oh, the message boards and all yeah. that stuff. I'm, I'm more of a I'm just watching it happen. But it's like I don't know what you expect. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you you read these comments and you're like, what what? what did you want out of this that you didn't get? You know what I mean? And there's too um, much Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. This is Star Wars. This is stupid. Like, this is just for fun. Like, don't, you know, but I mean, I, I don't really concern myself with, with that kind of stuff anymore. Like, I just kind of put my head down and keep moving because I don't have time. For that, I don't. You know? Yeah, there's no like I've maybe like 10 years ago i like you know when facebook first started being a thing you go back and forth with people and then one mm -hmm. day one day i'm like arguing with someone and i think they were like in the midwest and i was just like what the fuck am i doing i'm like i don't even yeah. know we didn't even know we existed <laughs> like what do I've i been there care? too man yeah <laughs> what do I've i what do i care people yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, just keep going, keep putting your head down and trying, trying to make something and, and just move on. Like, I don't think hanging on to one note for too long is a good idea. You know what I mean? And sitting there and arguing back and forth about, you know, was Flea good in Star Wars? I don't care. Like, <laughs> he was there. It was cool. I thought Devon, you, I, I thought you were going to say in Baby Driver because I was going to say Flea was great in Baby Driver. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Everybody keeps telling me to see Baby oh, Driver. I are you kidding? So, all right. So I'll tell you something real quick. But yeah. uh, there were some movies that people were like, you should watch this. And I was like, I don't want to watch that because I don't want it to affect what's going on in my head. Because I was, okay. I would see all these car. I watched a lot of old car movies before I started, you know, making this one, Vanishing Point. Um, American Graffiti, Tulane Blacktop, like all these like classic car movies. And I was like, I want to watch stuff that came before the era I'm shooting in. And if I'm watching, like, I love Driver, you know, with, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Drive. Uh, Drive, with, yeah. Uh, 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 Gosling. What's his name? Ryan Gosling. Gosling, you know, 
but I'm like, that's not informing me right now. And, no. and it's going to distract me. But that is one of those movies that's on my list that I still haven't done. But you like Baby Driver? That was a good one. So for me, I just love Edgar Wright, man. Edgar Wright is just a, a, a fucking genius. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Like he did um, Shaun of the Dead, um, mm -hmm. Scott Pilgrim. I mean, he's just got a great style. Yeah. This might be my favorite of his movies. He just did uh, the la uh, Last Night in Soho, which I think just hit mm -hmm. HBO Max. And he just has such a style. Uh, and especially Baby Driver is just, it's very car centric, very soundtrack uh, heavy uh and it's just uh i love a good caper movie i love a good yeah. caper movie uh, yeah. yeah i'll and say this part part of the problem with some of that stuff to me which, which i didn't want to happen was you start lusting after things you can't get so you know with the iphone it has a lot of limitations you know depth of field is a big one that's difficult and uh it's a little bit easier now they have all these adapters you could put lenses on it and stuff but when i was starting this we didn't have that technology yet and or it was very unattainable for me and i was looking at these films and going look they're doing things with the camera that i can't so what i need to do is just look at what i could do and make this movie with a very old school approach you know where it's like here's what's native to the camera this is what it could do let's not try to make it something it's not too much because then I think you're getting into this territory where it's like, it looks like it wants to be high budget, but it's not making that marker. And I was like, I don't want that. I want it to feel old school, like it, running it, it guns, feels, it mean feels, streets, you know? Yeah, it feels, I could see mean streets, to be honest with you. Um, especially like just the hangout scenes, for sure. Mm. And uh, the actual filter used on the film definitely also gives it that feel too. Like very like, you know, if we want to say 70s, it, it does have that flavoring for sure. Yeah, uh, James wants to do a black and white version, which I would like to see. And then I'd like to do another cut or another color edit where it's like super um, modern look, you know, aesthetic, like just to have like a couple of different options that like, it's like it kind of, it kind of changes the way you watch the movie when you do that. You know, I once just took the a filter and threw it over the whole thing and made it black and white. I was like, I fucking watched a totally different movie, which is insane. That coloring is such an important aspect of, of, of filmmaking. And so I felt like if I colored it or we went too much in a, a realm of modernism, we're not really going to hit that mark where, you know, drive is hitting or um, actually what was a good influence for me too was a Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. Um, I thought that was like uh, absolutely spectacular. It's one of the one of the best car movies I've ever seen, just because I think the cinematography is amazing, the sound design is incredible, and the look uh, they got on the camera. It kind of felt like what I wanted to do, you know. And I used that as like, all right, as far as like a modern interpretation of a car movie, this is what I this is what I would kind of want my film to land in. I don't know if we did that at all, but I, it was just a nice inspiration you know um, Inspira I like, I inspiration's think. great i mean if you're not inspired yeah. by things that you watch then you're probably dead so regardless you know like uh nirvana was influenced by the pixies do they sound like the pixies no but they were super no. influenced by the pixies you know so inspiration i love hearing those stories too it's like oh yeah we were listening to a lot of disco and i'm like disco how yeah. does that make sense and then 
you hear Dave Grohl like talk about like all these funk bands and oh, all the these beats. disco yeah. bands. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, oh wow. Yeah. This is amazing. Like never would have known, you know, unless you told me. Yeah. And I think that's always nice. You know, but I again like I love making of things, so especially records too, you know. Oh my god, I could all day long I could listen to to I could watch a band that I love in the studio uncut like yeah. just keep the camera rolling I well th- this this you know. this podcast we started it just for strictly talking minutiae so we love mm-hmm. anything that just like yeah. we, we would just get together and have these like two-hour conversations on why injustice for all is better than master of puppets <laughs> and like yeah. we, we would just I... like talk and like we'd be like wow we should record this so no one would give a shit <laughs> <laughs> well dude i i could sit here for three days straight and discuss that because when and it's the same thing with films too it's like when you've when you've watched something enough or you've listened to these records i mean the days of sitting in the back of the uh, car with my headphones on and just listening to the same record on repeat like for you know, 18 hours to Florida. I mean, I don't think I could do that anymore, but I did it and I could talk about Master of Puppets and <laughs> and Justice for All for days because of that. Because I, I know, I, I and also I've, I've read, oh, what kind of guitars did they use? What kind of amps did they use? What kind of room were they in? You know, all that stuff mattered to me because what it taught me was it doesn't matter. Like all, like what we have in our phone right now is more than the Beatles had when they made Get Back. And I'm watching them making a Get Back and what it took to get there. And you're like, again, what? where is the excuse? If you have an idea, you have a song, it doesn't matter what room they were recording in or, or what kind of camera they used to film something. Like, Just make it. It doesn't matter. You have to like let go and just use what you've got because otherwise you're going to get stuck. There's so many film people out there that you know they're 45 years old and they're like yeah i had dreams of making a feature and i'm like why haven't you why don't you what's the what's stopping you from right now and it's usually just this expectation of like oh but i want a million dollars to make it and it's like i'm not nobody was giving me a million dollars to make my movie you know so i said well i'd better get really frugal really quick and figure out how i could do this (laughs) and and uh that's the lesson learned there is like you know sometimes less is more so so you said it took you five years like uh, in the fifth year like how did you know that you were done that you got everything that you wanted it's not done it's never done it's never (laughs) done yeah (laughs) the the, the director's cut is still going (laughs) yeah i you know it's funny um we're both friends with the guys in tbs um and uh i've had the pleasure of playing guitar with john nolan becoming friends with him and and we were talking about tell all your friends and um how he felt when they dropped that record and how they just like added all these strings that were not part of the original idea and uh, he was just he basically came around and said like i wasn't too happy about it but it is you know we it obviously worked and i i it just hit me like it was this moment i was like i needed somebody to tell me something like that like that I know, that I trust, that I love. And and it got me to this place mentally where I was like, there's going to be a point where you're still not happy with it, but it's good enough. Like you've gotten it as far into the realm of what you want that you can. And 
in the fifth year, there was some moments where I was watching the film and I would show it to my wife and she'd be like, I don't, I don't know, something's not working here or whatever. And I'd have to just I'd go into like this depression of like, why is it not working? Why is it not working? And I would come up with an idea how to fix it. And I would grab the actors and say, hey, listen, do you mind coming over to my house? And I just need to film you doing this. I just need to get this over here. Little, little bits and pieces that that was what the last year was really made up. It was like a lot of editing, a lot of scoring, bringing the, making the music tell a lot of the story. Um, but then it got to this point where I locked in that last little detail uh, that made the whole film sort of make sense and felt very, I like to think of it as like um, circular where it felt like we came back to the beginning in a way, in a way that if you were paying attention oh, to yeah, the film, yeah. I think all, so. the, yeah, yeah. all the details were there to help you piece together the whole story and leave completed. And, and it didn't feel like that until literally the last day of me and James editing and going like, ah, that's it. We needed that little piece right there. And now we're done. Could it have been better? Could we have, you know, we had to chop a lot of scenes out to make things work. And that was a, that was a sort of a tough thing to, to have to do because you have this vision and then you're cutting out some of your favorite stuff. But in the end, it made it better. It would make it feel more swift. <laughs> and, and, and that, that was kind of a key thing too. you know, let Edit it go. Editing is pretty tough. I'll, I'll bring it back. You brought it to John. I'll bring it to Mark of TBS. Mm -hmm. And we were just recording an EP together. And uh, I had a song and he was just like, the pre-chorus is too long. And I was just like, mm -hmm. what? I'm like, that's the song. Who you do you think you are? I'm like, you can't change <laughs> this song. Like, I just like, what are the people at Mr. Beery is going to think if I let you change this song? <laughs> but like, when he's like just just cut it and then i reworked it and i redid it and it's it turns out to be like our first single because uh he yeah. was right yeah but it just bothered me i just like i was like cut out yeah. the fucking pre-chorus i'm like what like what? like it just but at the end of the day like when you look at the finished product you're like all right i'm like all right he had a point here <laughs> sometimes wisdom hurts and we're always looking for people that are much wiser than us to help us in life and that's why we get into like quarrels with our family our parents because we know they're right but we're we want to do it our way or you know whatever and sometimes it isn't until years later that we learn these lessons by making the mistake that we were they were trying to have us avoid um and i i've been there many many times and i guess uh today where i where i stand is i just try to listen to everybody and i try to uh, try to be open-minded and try to be um expansive with that like oh okay we could try it that way there's no hurt in cutting the verse or cutting the pre-chorus a little bit and seeing what happens and then sometimes you don't even miss it you know like as soon as you're through it and you got you know what was on the table there for 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 months or years and and then all of a sudden it's not there and then you don't miss it and you're like i guess that's cool i guess yeah. we're on the right track and that's a great feeling and i've had that many times in my life with great mentors you know yeah but it's it's just you know when you're so used to doing something and you have this vision and you hear it but yeah it's like you know once you're out of it maybe like a year later two years later sometimes you're like 
all right good idea good idea yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um so last three things i wanted to cover um yeah. real quick master of puppets or injustice for all man both because <laughs> you know what happens is i listen to master and i'm like well now i gotta listen to injustice and then if i hear injustice I'm like, well, i gotta listen to master because i love both records so much i think i think the meat on the master of puppets record like song wise and like production wise is like way cooler and better but i think the raw intense brutality that happens in injustice for all is is unmatched in that way i feel like in in injustice they were kind of like um they were kind of like thinner and smaller and scrappier and like vicious and then by master there are these giants and monsters and and just ripping through earth you know like i i don't know they both two different monsters to me oh that are from the same thing yeah. you know yeah. absolutely there was just something about going from blackened to like the title track and justice for all which is a, a arguably what i think like 10 minute song that never loses me uh, to then like yeah. something like Harvester of Sorrow to then like Dyer's Eve. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like this is like them doing everything that they do. Like you it's like, oh, you want a slow half tempo? You want a mid tempo? You want a fucking fast one? Uh, but I mean, yeah. both both masterpieces. I just I, I figured if we talked about it, I had to ask um, but real quick too, just to add. I know we could talk about this all day. <laughs> one of the things that everybody always gets mad about with Injustice is how low the bass is yeah, from yeah. Jason. In a way, I like it, and because somebody came back and like remixed it and yep. added more bass, and it was like, oh, it sounds cool. But there's something about like knowing the story of Metallica and how they treated Jason yeah. that makes it feel like he's being punished, which makes <laughs> the guitars feel like they're brutalizing you way more. And then in Master, he obviously <laughs> rose up a little bit and sonically did the same thing too. So it feels like he becomes more. And I think Jason used to should have stayed in Metallica. Like he was J- James Hetfield's little junior brother, you know, whatever. And that attitude, that energy that the two of them brought was like exactly what I wanted, you know, more of. But yeah, well, master, master, master of puppets was definitely Cliff. So Cliff, yeah, Cliff played there. Uh, it's just like when 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 Jason. It's funny when you hear the bass on Justice, but yeah, it's just the songs are just great. But they're they're two masterpieces. Wait a uh, minute. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I I'm uh. Why did I think? Th- maybe what, maybe you're thinking came in on maybe uh, on Justice. Maybe you were thinking Black Album. Yeah. yeah right. Because, so because going up yeah. that way. He's like very prominent in in the like you hear the God that failed like you hear like a lot of deep cuts on on the black album and, and Jason does this thing a lot of part great of my problem albums. with it is I also got into like earlier albums later you know like I I I didn't know the order of Metallica until I was older so looking yeah. back I still am confused sometimes yeah like, which came first you yeah, know yeah. but. Um, I went in probably, oh, I did the same thing. Cause like, so I was 10 when injustice came out. Um, so I think I went maybe to, to, uh, master and then to the black album. Cause at that point I, you could go backwards or you can go forwards, you know? So right. it's, uh, yeah. 
what a what a great uh time for that uh last second to last question so three car movies uh that you love like for example i'll give you three that i could think of that that uh, you know are very car centric but they have a story around them. uh christine john carpenter's christine is fucking a masterpiece uh cannonball run movies i just loved as a kid I, it's just like the first time I ever saw a Lamborghini, probably, and just like every other cool car. Uh, and then the Wraith with Charlie Sheen, man, the, the, those three in particular were movies that stuck out to me where there's a car or cars and uh, a really cool story around it. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I would like to see a Ghostbusters movie that's just about them building Ecto one because oh, yeah. I would literally seriously fantasize about. Man, how did they take that car and make it look like that? That is awesome, you know. So yeah. that's one that I that I wish existed. But as far as ones that really are there, I think uh, you know, American Graffiti um, was really informative to me. I I like the aesthetic of that film. I just don't care about the story too much. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's fun. Um, probably more exciting for people that grew up at that time. Yeah, but um. I think Ford versus Ferrari, modern-wise, is a masterpiece. I thought it was absolutely perfectly executed from sound design to production and obviously killer actors. Um, and, uh, I mean, Back to the Future is yeah. such an awesome car movie to me that people don't talk about, but I'm like, what a, this movie is literally about a car <laughs> like that's traveling through time. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, never... I, love the, I love the futuristic cars that they took, like a Ford you know uh whatever it was a ford focus and like put all these body panels on it and i'm like that's cool you know i look and then going back in time and seeing all these incredible cars like to me uh, that feels like a car movie to me but i mean some people might not agree <laughs> so so that i remember seeing that actual car that they used to make that that time machine and i thought like as a kid i don't know maybe i was like seven watching it i thought that was like a real I, it looked like a porsche almost to me you know like i'm, I'm like oh this mm. this car is amazing only to realize that it was like a hunk of shit <laughs> like in real life yeah. you know I, yeah and then that they made it into a time machine i was like oh i thought this was like all right but i, I get it um and then last question uh now that you have this movie out of the way if you could make a second movie like what would you like to do? Uh, I got a few scripts that I'm working on um, just to have in case things go well. Because <laughs> at this point, I, I don't think I have it in me to finance and do a, another film by myself quite yet, um, maybe down the road. But um, yeah, I'd like to do a horror film. I was My birthday is October 31st, 1985. Oh, so man. I... I um I Why like did, to think first of all hold on. The, let me let me cut you off darkness of the let, year you know? let, let me cut you off because I had no idea that I was that much older than you Jesus Christ you're a kid oh. you're a fucking kid all right go ahead you're wait you're older than me I'm fucking way older than you man dude I I literally thought you were like I thought we were the same age 27 to nah, 30 maybe I'm fucking wow. 44 <laughs> years old Whoa. Yeah, I was born in 1978. Good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. amazing, dude. Wow. Um horror movie. What was the question? No, you, oh, yeah. You were talking, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do a horror movie. Um, 
I also have this World War II story that I'd really love to do that I think could be pretty awesome and um, definitely have a, a, a good concept. I think that would be like something that we wouldn't need to storm the beach of Normandy to do, you know, a little more like a side quest kind of story. Um, my grandfather fought in World War II, so I just I just got his uh, like war log over here and um going through it and i have i have a concept there and i also have another one about i'd love to do a, a film about a band and do some music yeah. stuff because uh i think i lot i know a lot about drag racing but i think i know more about what it's like to be in a band than anything else on this earth and i think i could probably tell a pretty good story and i got i got a cool one lined up that i'd, I'd love to execute and and bring some people in on that that I've met along the way. So who knows, man, but it all, it all is dependent on if, if we could actually get this movie out there and, and get some people to want to maybe finance it or partner up on it. But, you know, we're well, sh I, I'm not shopping yet. I'm just kind of, I think sometimes when you do these film festivals, that's kind of what winds up happening is, you know, maybe we'll win something at one of these things where somebody will see it and go, wow, look what this guy did with nothing. What if we gave him, you know, 50 grand. I'm like, well, I got this script I could do for 50 grand. What if we yeah. gave him a half a million? Well, we could do this one. You know, I want to have like a couple of different things lined up just in case, you know what I mean? Might yeah, as those, well. Those are like three, like really cool topics, you know, especially like, uh, obviously I'm, I'm a horror guy and a band guy. I just recently saw this movie called the incoherence. Um, I'll just read the synopsis. So it's like four forty some things each mired in uh, some sort of midlife malaise reunite their 90s indie rock band and uh it's called the Incoherence. what's your favorite band movie what's oh, your favorite, favorite band movie like like documentary or like anything like anything that made like for me uh watching you know even like uh that thing you do as a kid like i was like oh, oh man i really want to be in a band you know <laughs> i want to be in a band that... i want to make music <laughs> that movie is really good that movie execution wise up. it's amazing yeah like those guys played the drums and the guitar and like you watch it and it's like as a musician you're like that looks pretty accurate because so many times you watch these films and you're like uh you're not playing i just watched stranger things last night and uh not to ruin anything but you know there's this moment the guy's playing master of puppets and like i could tell he's not playing master of puppets and out of play but it looks pretty good and there's acceptable acceptable amounts of like you know not con you know not being content you know uh, not having continuity and then there's movies like that thing you do where you're watching you're like he's playing that chord and i hear that chord and that's the right fill and you know um i like seeing those things there was this movie that came out a couple of years ago i forget the name of it uh i think i think patrick stewart's in it and he like runs like this nazi punk rock oh yeah yeah Gr uh, green room green room oh that was great i thought that was one of that, those that dude movies that felt great. kind of authentic that i've been that, to places like that i'm like oh get me out of here <laughs> so that that guy that guy makes really cool movies he made a, a movie called um monster party monster party i think it was and then uh one before green room called blue ruin which was just like this like revenge story 
but you don't like it's just it's just really good but green room was really good um as far as like as a touring musician man you you land on these places especially when you're younger and you're like i don't know where i'm going i've never been to virginia i've never been to some of these states and you pull up to this venue and you're like i don't know if we're supposed to be here yeah yeah and there's this moment for the characters i'm like i know exactly how this feels yeah like this this song's called nazi punks fuck off and you're like i don't know if you should play this here (laughs) um they don't want to hear that for some reason (laughs) god i'm thinking like one of the coolest stories um so the band uh brian jonestown massacre have a documentary and it's called dig and it's a it's a band that some people know some people might not know but that might have been like one of the greatest like musical documentaries i've ever seen about a band where the singer was just such a self-saboteur like anytime he would like get some sort of mm-hmm. like uh opportunity or success like he would just like ruin it oh yo it was, this mm-hmm. dude is out of his fucking mind like they had like a showcase for a label and I guess one of the guitar players was playing the wrong note and they had a fist fight on stage and you see video footage of him like kicking him and they start punching each other. And you just like, there's just something like so outrageous and like almost like borderline, like mentally ill about like completely being like, Oh, here's a showcase. Let's just completely ruin it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I've seen it. I've been a part of it, I guess. Uh, Sugarman was another yeah well, Sugarman yeah the search that was, for Sugarman that was one where it was just like what a tragedy you know yeah. uh, like not self sabotage just unbelievable story of how it didn't work out you know but that's uh, the thing about like music stories and stuff they're so inspiring from so many different angles and uh, I could I mean I watched Get Back the whole way through and I was like I could turn this back on again and watch it tomorrow you know because I just yeah. love some bands too especially if it's the right i mean i remember thrice when they put out artist in the ambulance they did like this dvd of like oh this is how we made it and us working up to here i must have watched that like 40 50 times because i was like i want to be in this band (laughs) that band in particular you know so that band was really interesting because um they had such a unique sound where they were borderline a pop punk band that played like metal riffs and you're like, wow, this is interesting. But then artists in the ambulance came and they kind of really just like opened like that album was the king of the hill for like a year or two. Like when they were touring that it changed the trajectory for me of music because I was like, oh, this is because I came from like a very, I was like into metal. I wasn't yeah. really into like newer music when I was younger. And so like I heard Deftones and Glassjaw. Um, yeah. But then I heard Thrice and I was like, I could see myself in a band like this where we're, we're singing melodies and we're singing harmonies and we're screaming and we're going into breakdowns. It's sort of like uh, the culmination of everything I liked about modern music at that time, you know? Yeah. That record was a big fucking deal. Like I never played like that. I was more of like, I mean, I grew up a metal kid, uh, but also heavily into hip hop. But as I got like into my teens, it was more of like Archers of Loaf and like Pavement and Sonic Youth. Like I was, I was more of an indie rock kid as like my friends w- were hardcore guys. Um, but like when artists came out, like that was one of those records that I was just like, this is like, it's like every good part of every genre <laughs> mixed yeah. into one. Yeah. You're like, how are they singing these harmonies and melodies on the guitar? Like it was just really, really good. Thrice is, uh, super talented i i think that definitely might be the top of their uh sonic mountain for sure though 
and mm-hmm. deftones was always a big deal to me and uh a band White pony man I, when i heard that i felt like i i had never done drugs in my life but i felt like i took drugs like i was like this must be what it's like to to be stoned or something because I, I when i first heard that i it took me into like another dimension and it still sort of does when i put that record on like, man this is a special sound you know this is something unique did and you, then you hear all these other bands fighting it, you know, for all. Oh, time, yeah. But, but did, did you like Around the Fur? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it just wasn't until I felt like White Pony that, like, sonically we were going into this no, another universe. You know, I felt like the earlier record, you know, for sure was more punk and just it was like raw it was raw. like a more raw yeah. record for sure and and yeah. white pony had like elements like where chino was able to h- express his love for like the cure and depeche mode more which i know yeah. St- St- stefan is not a big fan of so they, right. they those That's two what makes the soup yeah that those two definitely have the the the, the pull and push on in that band and i think it wasn't until later on. I, I feel like once they hit Diamond Eyes and the Koi No Yokin album, I feel like those two records are the two best records that they ever put out. I feel like White Pony is there too, but like sonically and, and like just production wise, you're like, okay, you guys just shot up to the stars on this. And, and I feel like you've seen The Butcher. Is that the name of the song? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, song? yeah, yeah. Dude, that riff. First of all, the video for that is yeah. awesome. But that riff, that riff is killer. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, that is that is juicy. Like, I could listen to that riff all day. Yeah. The drums in that. I think Abe is just one of the tastiest drummers. Doesn't overplay, but plays enough to make you go, I can't do that. You know. <laughs> well, and I love that. Um, yo, thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for Dude, thanks t- for having me, man. Telling us about your movie um you know i guess like how could people watch it right now um they could come out to a a showing where we're gonna have more coming up right now we're just getting ready to do some of these film festivals hopefully that's the next like kind of move and then probably towards the end of the year once i either do or don't hear back from sundance that'll be sort of like the cap on it like all right now we just start figuring out digital distribution but for right now it'd be great if people could follow us on instagram or or facebook just to kind of stay in the loop and when we have showings they can come out Um, i'll put the the link up with everything we'll let you know when it's available to to watch online for sure because there's a lot of people obviously across the country that want to see it now that you know they're not going to make it to a showing so i just tell them follow us and as soon as it's available you guys could jump in do you have like uh is there like a website or is it just like the instagram yeah you can go to sunday 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 film.com it's also yeah. the handle on instagram sunday 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 film uh and on facebook and uh yeah just give us a follow we got trailers we got like i just started putting up some of the songs that i wrote for it and, and did for it um uh, rock um right on what who did that i did that yeah, yeah. that's fucking really good Thanks, it's just man. like yeah. so like the beginning you know like uh i guess it's after like you know the, the, the i don't want to say like the, the intro like the, credits yeah i guess it's like you know like the the accident that happens i guess you could say i yeah. mean it's right in the beginning for anyone's you know yeah but um it's just like even the font and like the the the, <laughs> the it's just cool like it it really 
you know, like, and then the song, I was like, I don't even know if it's like him or like, <laughs> I thought it was like an old song. I was like, I don't know. I just had that, like, a, a, like I'm a Tarantino like lover yep, got it. and it just yeah. had that cool vibe to it. So, ah, oh, that's, that's really awesome. I kind of looked at the movie a little bit as like um, a mixtape, you know, I was like, I, I want there to be a song like, because John Nolan does like a little cameo in it. And that song is more like a hardcore every time I die thing, not on purpose to, it just felt fitting for the type of scene it was. But in the intro of the movie, you know, I was like, I want Johnny Cash on this and I'm not going to get him. So let me just do something that gives me that vibe and I'll yeah. just write my own thing for it. And, um, and then those two songs are on the same soundtrack somehow. And that's the kind of Tarantino I think. Thing I like where it's like almost John Wayne kind of songs. It is, and then you got Rick Ross coming in on one track, and you're like, "What? Yeah, and how does this work? Because I it's love, working." You know? I, I love that, and he's he's great at like you know, like you do, you'll get like Dick Dale, and then you'll hear like "Son of a Preacher Man." You know, you're like, yeah. "What the <laughs> fuck?" You're like, but it's just like he, I, everything's perfect. So I I think that it's like yeah. Halloween, man. You put on a costume and you just play that role, and then. Like, all right what's the next one all right you know we yes. got to get a little danny elfman on this you know well listen hopefully i get to be in the halloween in, in the horror movie i just i just want to die in a movie so if you need someone okay dying, i'm very i good. got you next uh, one right yep. you know fat guy dies in movie um <laughs> yo anthony thanks for hanging out I'll, I'll put like all the links up and stuff like i'll drop it on monday uh or maybe okay, cool, i guess man. it's the fourth of july so maybe i'll just do it on tuesday yeah, maybe when people are going back to work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I forget, but uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks again, brother. I really appreciate you having me, man. I appreciate and, uh, you. Do this. Yeah, man. Uh, long overdue. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a fan of everything you do, and uh, I will Likewise, see you soon bro. in the flesh. All right, man. Take Everybody. it easy, brother.